listening to Law and Gospel on this Monday, December the 9th in the year of our Lord, 2019. I'm Pastor Tom Baker. And as is our custom, we like to look at a lesson for the coming Sunday, which is the third Sunday in Advent. We're going to do something a little different because many of you are aware that the three lessons include a Old Testament lesson, that's from Isaiah 35, an epistle from James 5, and a gospel from Matthew 11. But today, we're going to do the fourth reading. A number of churches do have this reading, a a number don't, but it can still be included in the readings, and it's the psalm for the particular Sunday, third Sunday in Advent. It's Psalm 146. It begins this way. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. This song is regarded as one of the Alleluia Psalms. In fact, there's a number of them, beginning with 146, that conclude the Psalter which has 150 uh, psalms in it. And this particular one is an interesting psalm. You can't see it in the English, but in the Hebrew, each line begins with the next letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Now, you may recall when Jesus and the disciples left the Lord's Supper, and they were on their way to Gethsemane, it says they sang hymns. Those hymns are also considered Hallel hymns from the word hallelujah. And they were Psalms 113 to 118. But we're going to be taking a look today at Psalm 146. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. Now, in a lot of English translations, the word Lord, each letter is capitalized. What does that mean? Well, it's a way of signaling that it is the name of God that Moses received in Exodus 3 at the burning bush when he asked God, what's your name? What do I tell the people? who you are. And he says, I am who I am. And in the Hebrew, we think it's Yahweh. We only have the consonants, and we're guessing that the vowels are A and E, but Yahweh. And to transliterate it into the English, they simply use the word Lord with capitals. So interestingly enough, it is the the angel of the Lord that speaks to Moses at the burning bush. And we know that the angel of the Lord, the messenger of the Lord, is none other than Jesus Christ prior to his incarnation. He is found throughout the Old Testament. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul. Now, verse 2 I will praise the Lord as long as I live, 
Now, what does that mean? That when he dies and his body goes in the ground, he'll stop praising the Lord? Well, Scripture interprets Scripture. We go on to the next phrase in verse 2 of Psalm 146. He says, I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Now, what does that mean? Well, remember what happens to the believer when he or she dies. Yes, the body may go in the ground, but the soul, the spirit, goes to be with Jesus. Jesus himself said that on the cross, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And so we never talk about if somebody says, oh, your father died, where is he? Christians don't say, well, he's in the ground. No, he's with Jesus. His body is in the ground, but his spirit is with Jesus. And he is still singing praises to God even after his death. So this is a very, very helpful psalm that really talks about the resurrection of the spirit, waiting for the resurrection of the body. There will never be a time when we will stop singing praises to our God because we will always have our being. If not here on earth as a Christian, then in the spirit in heaven with Jesus. But how did we get to heaven? Verse 3, put not your trust in princes in a son of man in whom there is no salvation. Now, some people may say, well, wait a minute. In Daniel, you have the Ancient of Days who sends the Son of Man to earth to redeem the earth. And that Son of Man is none other than Jesus Christ. So isn't that a contradiction? In whom there is no salvation would be wrong if it's talking about Jesus. But is verse 3 talking about Jesus as the Son of Man? Well, two ways to understand that it is not. This is verse 3. Put not your trust in princes. Now, princes are rulers, of course, in the world. And uh, these rulers would be human beings. They would be nobles. They would be individuals who are sinners. We're not to put our trust in them. So it really doesn't matter, for example, in the United States, who is the president of the United States. We're not to put our trust in him for our salvation because he is dealing in the secular temporal realm and taking care of items in that area. The second part, it says, nor in a son of man in whom there is no salvation. Now, that's kind of important to understand because the definite article, the Son of Man, is replaced with a Son of Man. 
Jesus isn't just a son of man, a sinful being. He is the son of man. It's kind of like the difference between he is begotten, we are adopted sons of God. So do not put your trust in another person. That's all that is saying, because there is no salvation in them. Now, I know there are people who say, well, John never went to church, but his parents did. And so he was probably saved because of his parents' attendance at church. No, no parent has salvation for a child. A parent can teach about the salvation available through Jesus Christ. In fact, that's really what is important these days. Luther's small catechism, as the head of the household, should teach. And so the parent, the father, although I had a congregation where a lot of the children did not have fathers living at home, so the mother would take over that task of teaching them the word of God at home. Concordia Publishing House's uh, new Sunday School material is not only well done, but it has a segment that a parent takes home and continues to teach the lesson at home with the child. I think that's a really good uh, idea. Verse 4, when his breath departs, he returns to the earth on that very day, his plans perish. Now, once more, is that denying that the spirit goes to heaven? No, it's talking about the plans a human being has while he is still in the body. The plans don't continue to take place. Uh, for example, all of us have a sheet that we look at where we have future plans. I've got a couple of uh, books I'm writing right now. I hope to complete them. I've got congregations right now serving four of them, and I enjoy doing that, and I hope to be preaching there uh, throughout the Advent Christmas season and into next year. I've got all kinds of plans. But when my breath departs, guess what? All of my plans perish. There's nobody to carry them on because I'm the only one who can do a lot of them. So this is why you don't put trust in a son of man who is a prince because in him there's no salvation Plus, when his breath departs, he returns to the earth, and all of his plans perish. So whoever takes over from him may have a totally different set of plans, but his own personal plans perish. You know, sometimes you think about, would I be willing to die today? And a lot of times I say no, because I got a lot of plans I'd like to complete. But God is going to take me from this veil of tears at a moment 
when my plans from his point of view are not as important as my being with him in heaven. So, verse 5, Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord, capitalized, his God. Now, why the God of Jacob? Well, you got to remember, when Moses was on Mount Sinai, uh, who are you? I'm the God of Abraham, Jacob, and Isaac. Being in the God of Jacob or with the God of Jacob means you're in the line to Jesus. Jacob was given promises. And if there's anything one needs to understand about Lutheran theology, which is the same as biblical theology, it's that we focus on the promises that are found in Holy Scripture. A Sunday I was talking about the different kinds of hope. A lot of people have hope, but they're not sure that their hopes are going to be fulfilled. Uh, a child may tell the parents, I would like to have that computer game. And he hopes then when he opens up the present, he finds it. But when he opens up the uh, his Christmas present, he finds instead a new pair of underpants. Well, he's disappointed. But it may be that he needed them more than he did a computer game. In other words, our hope is never sure. But biblical hope is always sure. How do we know that? Why do we have hope in the Lord his God? Verse 6 explains it. We have hope in the Lord our God who made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them. And then this next phrase it's verse 6, is really important. Who keeps faith forever. What does that mean? The NIV translation has, he remains faithful forever. The New King James translation has, who keeps truth forever. What does that mean? Well, Scripture interprets Scripture. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. What he means by that is when he speaks his word, he is going to remain faithful to it. That's why the word we trust are his promises, his promises of gracious salvation, which means we do not deserve that's salvation. You can look to princes, but there's no salvation in them because the day their breath departs, all their plans perish. It doesn't matter what their plans were. You don't want to put your trust in them because they perish. That's why our help is in the God who told Jacob that the Christ is coming whose hope is in the Lord, his God, that's Christ, who not only made heaven and earth and the sea, that's in John chapter 1. Nothing was made 
that was not made by Jesus Christ. And he keeps faith forever. I, I really like the NIV proper translation. He remains faithful forever. If somebody remains faithful to you, what do you know about them? They keep their word. They keep their promises. So what's going to be happening when we die and go to heaven? Verse 8, the Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. Now, what's that referring to? Well, obviously this is talking about Jesus Christ because if you go to John chapter nine, he not only opened the eyes of the blind, this was somebody who was born blind. The disciples said, "Uh uh-oh, who sinned? His parents or him that he was born blind? No. He was born blind so God could show his glory on that day. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. Reminds me of the uh, parable that Jesus had. The Pharisee who's standing up straight, thanking God he's not like the tax collector because he's obeying the ceremonial laws in contrast to the tax collector who is humble, repents of his sin, bows down before the Lord. And the Lord loves the righteous. So because he loves the righteous, he declares us to be righteous through faith in Jesus Christ. We are not saved by the righteousness of our sanctification. We're saved instead through justification. What's what's the difference? Justification is that moment when we are converted by God to be part of his family. And we are therefore participating in the glorious exchange. And that glorious exchange is where we give God our sins, he gives us Christ's perfect righteousness. Never sinned once when he was here on earth. Verse nine. The Lord watches over the sojourners. He upholds the widow and the fatherless. I had a number of members in my congregation of 28 years. Many of them were widows. Many of the children were fatherless. And yet by coming to church, uh, coming to vacation Bible school, uh, having mothers that were teaching them the word of God at home, they continued faithful in the church. And that's the way God upholds us. But going on, the way of the wicked, he brings to ruin. Now, what does that mean? Because we seem to see a lot of people who have not been driven to ruin. The uh, King James says, but the way of the wicked, he turns upside down. Saw uh, the uh, new American standard, he thwarts 
the way of the wicked. The NIV, he frustrates the way of the wicked. What does that mean? Well, they're going in one direction and all of a sudden it's reversed or it doesn't achieve what they wish they would achieve. I mean, how many movies do we see where successful individuals lose everything in just a weekend on the stock market? I mean, how many people committed suicide during the depression because they felt they lost so much? The fact of the matter is, is the wicked will not continue, those who are against God. I remember when I was at the seminary, uh, a group of professors who did not agree with the Bible were really angry at President Preuss when he came out against their president teaching. So they decided to leave campus, and they left the campus in protest. But when they went to come back, the uh, President Bowman had put in, the president, new president at the seminary, had put in Dr. Martin Charlemagne, who would not let them back unless they repented. They did not repent, and that's what became Seminex, seminary in exile. So all their plans fell apart because at that time, their beliefs were more of those of the devil. And you can see the result of that Seminex group when you look at Elka today. Uh, homosexuality is practiced, abortion is okayed, uh, they have women pastors, and the list goes on and on of how their plans were thwarted. And why? Because God turns upside down the plans of the wicked. The final verse 10, the Lord will reign forever. Your God, O Zion, to all generations. Now what's Zion doing in there? That's a mountain, but it's where Jerusalem is built. And if you look at the book of Revelation, that's the new Jerusalem to all generations, the foundation, the prophets and the apostles. And so what began the hymn? Praise the Lord. What ends the hymn? The same words, praise the Lord. And it's very important to understand that word praise means that God is shining upon us. That's why Revelation gives the understanding that there's no need for the sun in the afterlife because Jesus is the brightness of the day. So Psalm 146, I think, has a lot to talk about during Advent because it talks about all of the wonderful benefits that we will be receiving during the coming of Jesus, not only already in the Bethlehem stable, not only already in our hearts, but also, and most importantly,
when he comes on judgment day, where we will sing praises to our God eternally while we have our being. On tomorrow's Long Gospel with Mark Smith, we'll be taking a look at the Advent hymn, Hark, a Thrilling Voice is Sounding. So, be with us tomorrow. It's a very famous hymn, and it has some insights that may surprise you. I'm Tom Baker. Till tomorrow, then, God bless. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.